I like when somebody tries to build another up into something so special and intelligent when they're really not. Especially a news anchor quoting a politician or somebody. And he said, quote, blah, 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 unquote. Couldn't he just read the sentence without the quote in the beginning and the unquote at the end? To me, it's the same difference. And most times it's a stupid, ignorant comment, with or without. I think I'm going to start quoting and unquoting myself in regular conversation to make myself sound more important. Hey, if they can do it, then so can I. Now, on the other hand, when Jesus gave quotes in the New Testament, it really was special. And he quoted verses from the Old Testament many times, which tells us that the new and old are absolutely connected. You can't have one without the other. Otherwise, Jesus would never have quoted from them. Now, interesting enough, he never quoted from the Apocrypha, which were the books added to the Bible by the Catholics and the Russian, Greek, and Ukrainian Orthodox churches. So to me, that's a strong indication that they don't belong in the Bible, right? And if they don't belong in the Bible, then that's a big no-no to include them. At the end of Revelation, it says, If anyone adds to these words, God will visit him with all the plagues described herein. If anyone takes from the words of this prophetic book, God will take away his share in the tree of life and the holy city described here. So it's crystal clear that we should not tamper with the Bible in any way. And that includes changing the Ten Commandments and the Saturday Sabbath. Now that's not to say that there's not some good helpful things in the Apocrypha books, especially in Sirach, for instance. But let's not get it confused that it's the inspired Word of God, because it's not. Which means in certain areas it could be an error, which it sometimes is. So the New Testament, and in particular Jesus himself, recount the Old Testament throughout. In fact, Jesus is dedicated to it. The book says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus, as a youngster, and throughout his 20s, studied the Old Testament writings. He was well-versed on it from start to finish. And don't you think he should have been? Of course. He had to know all the background information in order for him to write history by his future behavior. On what God had said, talking about Jesus, Matthew references the Old Testament. He says, this was to fulfill what had been said through Isaiah the prophet. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, my loved one in whom I delight. I will endow him with my spirit and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. So let's not make any mistake about it. We need to understand the New Testament along with the Old Testament. It's not one or the other. There's tons of vital information in both of them. And the more you read it, the more you see the connection between the two and how one supports the other. Like a wife supports her husband. 
by uh, bickering, nagging, and complaining. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I meant by caring, loving, and being kind. Yeah, I think that's the way it's supposed to go. Pretty sure. So because of all this, it's no wonder that Jesus quoted from the Old Testament, like when he was being tempted by the devil in the desert. As he was fasting without food or water, the devil was attempting to get Jesus to turn stones into bread. Jesus said, Scripture has it. Not on bread alone is man to live, but on every utterance that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil attempted to get Jesus to throw himself down from the heights of the temple, assuring him that angels would protect and catch him. But Jesus once again used a quote from the Old Testament, saying, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Finally, the devil offered him power, glory, and kingdoms. He told Jesus, all you need to do is kneel and bow down before me. And that's when Jesus said, Scripture has it. You shall do homage to the Lord your God. Him alone shall you adore. So every time Jesus brings in Scripture, he's bringing in the Old Testament. As obviously the New Testament wasn't written yet. Now, here's some more quotes from Jesus taken out of Genesis. The book says, God created man in his image. In the divine image, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So Jesus is definitely repeating some of the major facts and points for us to remember. Those that were formerly written down by the prophets before Jesus came to earth. Here's another. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and the two of them become one body. This, of course, started the foundation of what a marriage is, a commitment and dedication between a man and a woman, between a man and a woman only, according to the Bible. Jesus also said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Both of these statements were originally written in the Old Testament, again, creating the continuity between both books. Jesus also, in his travels, brought in Jonah, which is a great Old Testament story for so many reasons. The book says, Just as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so will the Son of Man spend three days and three nights in the bowels of the earth. This particular passage is representing Jesus' future, as everything in the Bible points to our Savior and Messiah. I like the word representing and represent, as we all should represent Jesus himself, walking in his footsteps. We are to represent him. Get it? I like when you break up words like that to see their true meaning to see more precisely what people are trying to say. Although sometimes words aren't as important as body language. Especially when you're trying to figure out if somebody's telling the truth or not. Because somebody can speak so eloquently to the point where their words come out like soft pink rose petals or white fluffy unicorns one after the other. 
while all along scheming to plunge you into the abyss. And how can you tell? Because throughout their three-minute love fest speech to you, not once did they look you in the eye. They're looking side to side, looking up into the clouds, everywhere but in your eyes. Hey, if you do that, I just can't trust you. Unless you're trying to hide tears in your eyes for some reason that you don't want me to see. But even then... In my day, we had to have a strong backbone just to survive. Nowadays, all we have are jellyfish floating aimlessly in the ocean. Can't tell the straight ones from the gay ones. In my day, we didn't have any of this social media controlling our lives, typing out our life, watching on a screen instead of actually living it. Give me face-to-face conversation any day. Especially with all the young lady friends I used to court way back once upon a time. They're all dead now. In my day, we had something much more important. We had each other. And on top of all that, we had God, who we respected and obeyed. Doggone it. Do these kids even know how to spell respect? They all need a good swift kick where the sun don't shine. And another thing. Let's spread the word about Don't Bring Up God. Airing Sunday mornings on WAB from 8 to 9. A bit of a strange character that Robert is, but he's all right by me. Just like the song, Jesus is just all right. Jesus is just all right with me. So call live. Here's uh, Jesus bringing up scripture once again. Before Jesus was arrested, he was talking to the apostles. He said, tonight your faith in me will be shaken for scripture has it. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be dispersed. Referring to when Jesus was arrested and all the apostles disappeared. Man, you would think the apostles felt ashamed of themselves, right? Following and backing Jesus for three and a half years and then deserting him like they did. I'm thinking they checked out on all of this Jesus savior thing. Because how could they show their face again? But as things turned out, Jesus did not give up on them and returned to them after the resurrection. You see, even though the apostles may have given up on themselves, Jesus did not. And that's the same with us. We may have given up on ourselves, especially in light of our dark past, but God and Jesus never does. They continue to call us, hoping that we will one day be humble enough to ask for forgiveness and to repent. God and Jesus aren't a fair-weather friend like the apostles proved to be. No, they're here our whole life. And it's up to us to either hear the call or clog our ears. When Jesus was arrested, we remember that Peter took his sword and cut an ear off of one of the soldiers. Jesus then healed it. And told Peter and the apostles to just relax. Saying, don't you think that God the Father could protect me and mow down all these enemies if he wanted to? But Jesus said, it has to be this way. I need to be arrested and put to death. In light of the possibility of Jesus not being arrested, he said, but then how would the scriptures be fulfilled? Which say it must happen this way. So again, God had a special plan for Jesus' life on earth. Was Jesus going to rethink it and do it his way? Of course not. 
Jesus was a loyal son to God the Father, who he trusted without question. And that's exactly how we need to be today. After Jesus was crucified, the Roman soldiers divided his clothes four ways and then threw dice to see who would get his tunic. And then the Bible says, the purpose of this was to have the scriptures fulfilled. They divided my garments among them. For my clothing, they cast lots. So once again, more Old Testament references referencing scripture back in the day. We shouldn't be ignoring it in order to get the full impact, power, and understanding of God Almighty, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Don't you think we should investigate the entire Bible? The book says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for for teaching, for reproof, correction, and training, and holiness, so that the man of God may be fully competent, equipped for every good work. There you go, in black and white. So next time you're complaining that you have too much free time on your hands and that there's nothing to do, just open up the Bible. Broaden your horizons by expanding your knowledge, wisdom, intelligence, and understanding. Why wouldn't you want to better yourself? I remember when I was a kid, I would walk around the house moaning, there's nothing to do, there's nothing to do. Until my dad one day said, come here, I'll give you something to do. He then had me sand a chest of drawers prior to him painting it. Oh, that's a lot of fun. I hate sanding. Just the sound of it alone cringes me up. And then your fingers get all dusty and raw. No, I'm not fond of sanding. So needless to say, I never complained again after that about having nothing to do. I would almost say it, but right before I could get the first word out, I would just stop as I saw my dad glance my way. Or I would remember the sound of the sandpaper going back and forth, back and forth on the wood. Ah, Yeah, I was cured. Because we all got some free time, by the way, God is expecting us to fill it. And what better way to do that than to read the Bible? So let's get on it. Jesus right up to the very end was basically following a script right before he died on the cross. The book says, Jesus, realizing that everything was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. At which time some soldier stuck a sponge soaked with wine and raised it to his lips. The book says, when Jesus took the wine, he said, now it is finished. Then he bowed his head and delivered over his spirit. I pray that you and I can say that one day, where we are at the end of our earthly life saying, it is finished. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. That would be the ultimate, wouldn't it? To know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have completed God's plan for your life, that you gave all that you had in the name of Jesus, that you gave your last ounce of strength for his cause and not your own, just laying there, totally satisfied and content, waiting for the next phase of your eternal life, 
which is to see God and Jesus face to face in paradise set up specifically for us, full of love, uh, peace, joy, and happiness without sin. Sin, which is responsible for so much heartache, pain, and suffering. If you don't, if you don't see the new heavens and the new earth as something to look forward to, then you're probably not a Christian. Because for those who believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior, there's nothing better. Nothing better. As it says in the Bible, that is our prize. Amen. Here's a quote by John the Baptist bringing up the past again, which is Old Testament scripture. He said, quoting the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice in the desert crying out, make straight the way of the Lord. John also knew his place and assignment in life. He knew beyond the shadow of a doubt who he was and what he was, what he was meant to do on this earth. Can we say that? I hope we can. If not, uh, stick your nose into more prayer, reading the Bible and listening to authentic Christian leaders, the shepherds who are to tend their flock, whoever they may be. We can't be hanging out with riffraff and expect to hit the bullseye because bad company corrupts good morals. We need a godly environment for us to be able to grow, just like a plant that needs sunlight and water. Without it, they die. Other Old Testament names that are mentioned in the New Testament are quite plentiful. For instance, we have Adam and Eve, Noah, Enoch, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, Joseph, Jacob's kid, Moses, Jonah, Korah, Balaam, Cain and Abel, David, Gideon, Jephthah, Samson, Jezebel, Elijah, and a whole bunch of others. Hope most of them are familiar to you, especially Samson. Who wouldn't want to be Samson? As a kid, he was my favorite. Strong, muscular, good-looking, with long hair, who seemed to have his pick of the women. I liked him because he was everything I wasn't. Instead of strong, I was more of a 90-pound weakling you'd see in one of those bodybuilding ads in a magazine back in the day. Instead of muscular, I looked undernourished. And instead of good-looking, I was in the category of just bearable. Not quite good enough for a girl to ask me my name. And not quite bad enough for people to avoid sitting in the desk next to me in class. But Samson was a very attractive biblical character for sure. Even with his faults. One last quote from the New Testament, which brings up Old Testament verbiage. After Jesus threw those bankers, media members, and thugs out of the temple, he said, Scripture has it. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are turning it into a den of thieves. Yeah, the good old money-changing bankers who were changing coins, swapping one currency from a distant land for another, Reminds me of present times as our paper currency is being swapped out for digital currency. But that's another story. 
Suffice it to say that shifty bankers weren't on top of Jesus' like list. Jesus actually kicked the bad guys out of the temple twice. Some people think it's, uh, it's two accounts of the same event. But no, it seems apparent that it happened twice, attempting to preserve the sanctity of the temple, which was a physical building before Jesus and a spiritual housing of the Holy Spirit after Jesus, which would be our body. And Jesus is, as it turns out, after throwing the bad guys out of the temple, the Judeans asked for some kind of sign to show that he was authorized to do such a thing. Then Jesus said, he told them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now, Everybody thought Jesus was Looney Tunes because they thought he was talking about the physical temple. But no, he was talking about his own body being crucified and then risen on the third day. Yeah, this whole Bible, very interesting storylines, and you got to investigate true meanings uh, at times. It does take time to figure it out. Yes, I'm one of those brainwashed, indoctrinated college kids you hear so much about. But you know what? It's not working. Because why? Well, I have half a brain and good old-fashioned common sense and morals. I'm no empty-headed follower, not just another pretty face. Oh, did I mention? Yeah, I have a pretty face. Half of my foreign professors can't speak English. Seriously, I can't understand a word of their gibberish during class. The other half speak only to give their biased, one-sided liberal arguments against Trump. Whatever happened to free discourse on both sides of an issue? I suppose you can get that, as long as the discussion involves transvestites, cross-dressers, and sex change operations. Don't Bring Up God is all about free discourse. Call up live and voice your honest opinion. And don't worry, be assured your grade won't go down if you disagree with Robert. So when preachers talk about the temple this and the temple that, reconstruction of a third temple in Jerusalem, I don't pay much attention. Because once again, when I hear the word temple, I know it's talking about our bodies housing the Holy Spirit. Spiritual, not spiritual, not physical. I guess there's plan to build a third temple someday soon on the Temple Mount. And I must say personally, I'm once again not impressed by the Temple Mount and the Wailing Wall in particular. To me, the wall seems like a bit of an idol as people are praying and bowing to it. What's with all that? That wall, many people contend, had nothing to do with the temple so many years ago. They say it was a wall of a Roman fortress at the time which makes a lot more sense to me for various reasons. But I must say, either way, I don't really care much about it. Walls and paper notes in the cracks? I really don't get it. I also don't understand why just about every president and upper echelon politician has to go over there and show their allegiance to Israel by bowing at that wall and putting their hand on it so solemnly Again, people can do and believe what they want, but for me, I I don't see any support from the Bible to do such things. I don't see it because it's not in there. It's pretty much man-made stuff once again, 
And if you want to go that way, then fine. I choose not to. Yeah, I haven't talked about my dog lately. You know what her new thing is? She grabs her dog dish from downstairs and will carry it around with her, usually when she's hungry. Have you heard of this? I'm going to start doing that. So my wife gets the hint that it's an hour and a half past dinner time. Got to fill up my tummy so I can continue with my regular bathroom cycle. I didn't have to add that last part, did I? But yeah, it's funny with my dog. I, I don't know where she learned that. But she can do it. She'll pick up that dish even after she ate and just carry it around and look at you. I mean, geez. Huh. Interesting. Now, in Corinthians, there's an interesting verse. It says, I hand him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. He was talking about this guy who was sleeping with his father's wife. And apparently the church that he went to knew this and did nothing about it. So Paul told them to kick him out of the church for this blatant disobedience and mocking of God. But even though this was to take place, it nevertheless did not jeopardize his salvation. Meeting God in paradise one day. But even though this is true... The verse says, for the destruction of his flesh, which implies that the consequences of his sinning were to take place in a very harsh way, possibly even including death, like it did for Sapphira and her husband, who blatantly lied to God and the apostles, and because of that, they dropped dead in an instant. So the way it all sounds is that people can really go through hell on this earth with major penalties of discipline and punishment and still end up being a saved child of God. I'm going to read this verse again. I hand him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. This quote indicates that being saved can be dependent on the destruction of one's flesh putting him in the position at the end of his life where he kneels down to God and Jesus, seeking them and accepting them as the true Savior? Sometimes drastic circumstances make people see the light. Yeah, very interesting once again. Very interesting verse that I, I, I never heard of growing up when I was a kid. I don't know why they were hiding it on me. Here's another beautiful verse. You have no idea what kind of life will be yours tomorrow. You are a vapor that appears briefly and vanishes. Instead of saying, if the Lord wills it, we shall live to do this or that, all you can do is make arrogant and pretentious claims. All such boasting is reprehensible. I knew this person that always attached at the end of his statements, God willing, God willing, God willing. And I never knew why he was saying that. Uh, didn't see why that was necessary, but now I absolutely, absolutely do. Because if God's not willing it, it's not going to be done. And if it is done for some reason, it will definitely not be in your best interest. Here's a Bible verse for our caller, Paul, something that's in line to what he usually says when he calls. When a man knows the right thing to do and does not do it, he sins. 
Yes, these are the sins of omission that we have talked about. Some people think that they can just isolate themselves away from people and civilization. Not getting involved, no harm, no foul. And in their minds, they think they're good to go because their thoughts and actions aren't partaking in any obvious action of sin. But that's only half the battle. As the verse says, if you know the right thing to do and don't do it, you sin. So don't claim ignorance of the law here because you know exactly the right thing to do, but you just choose not to do it and think to yourself that it doesn't apply to you. But man, that's a mistake because it absolutely applies to you, specifically to you, where you are being called on the carpet to do something positive in the name of God. So why don't we do it? And no need to be scared, frightened, and worried about committing yourself and putting your neck on the chopping block, so to speak, because God's got your back. If he's counting on you and depending on you to do something for others and yourself, then there's no excuse not to do it. You'll be fine. It's funny. Uh, Some people are never scared, denying that emotion entirely. And some people are always scared, shaking like a leaf from morning to night. How about finding a happy medium? Like, don't call 911 when the mailman is three minutes late. And just maybe it wouldn't hurt you to admit that you're a little bit scared when the news reports that three men just escaped from the county prison who you happen to testify against and is now hiding in your neighborhood. You can be concerned and scared on that one. No one's going to think less of you. And now, towards the end of the program... I believe it's time for some more of my social commentary for the week. And that is, is the dollar deliberately being devalued and destroyed in order for digital currency to arrive on the scene? Something instrumental to that end is all of us receiving a chip in our hand between our thumb and forefinger. This will enable us to buy and sell by the detection of that chip in our hand. Now, if you disagree with the government's agenda and labeled as a subversive, then as punishment, the buying and selling mechanism of the digital money can be shut off at any time. It also can be manipulated where you have quotas on things to buy, where once you reach a certain maximum level, it shuts off. And if companies and industries don't capitulate with the government's agenda, their products will be impossible to buy because the chip in our hand will not recognize them as a legitimate transaction. I personally believe that this chip will be able to do a lot more than just buying and selling products throughout our economy. I believe that it also will be designed to harm, if not kill us, at a moment's notice. And thinking of past One World Order behaviors, it doesn't sound that far-fetched, does it? It sounds like something that they would absolutely do without a second thought. People say that this chip is the mark of the beast, but biblical scholars agree, most of them, that the Antichrist must come before it's initiated. 
you wonder who this final Antichrist could be. I have no idea, but I must say the, the name Trump does come to mind because of his charisma and ability to manipulate people. And he did prove his allegiance to the one world order by promoting the coronavirus and the vaccines for sure. And I believe if he's called on again to do something devious, he will gladly do so with a smile on his face. I don't know what's going to happen in the upcoming election, but you may recall I did say that from the very beginning, Trump was told to stand down as Biden would now be president. And then in four years, we'll bring you back. I still believe that's what will happen. Just an educated guess, in my opinion. I could be wrong, which goes without saying. More important than what will happen in the future politically, it is what will happen in our individual hearts. Hopefully we are or become born again, becoming a child of God and stand up for what's right for ourselves and for our children, not worrying about any possible harmful consequences. Because if we don't do our best to stop the tyranny and communism that's taking place in our country now, what do you think it's going to be like in 3, 5, 10, 20 years from now if the world lasts that long? It'll be like the times of slavery where we have the few corrupt rich on top and everybody else has dirty slaves. Is that what you want? Where your husband could be sold off to a plantation three states west of you? Maybe that's not a good example for some, where I'm thinking the eyes of some wives listening right now got all big and bright, wondering, what did he just say? Is that possible that I can ship my husband out maybe for a good three to six months? (laughs) Come on, wives. (laughs) You would never encourage and hope for such a thing, would you? Some of you are thinking back to me, Probably thinking, yeah, but you don't have to live with a guy who never cuts his ear, nose, and armpit hair and brags about his beer belly the size of a seven-month pregnant woman, snores, and burps at least three times per meal. Ah, come on now. It can't be that bad, can it? Now, putting all that hygiene aside... We all need to solidify our foundation in Jesus Christ and have the courage to stand for what is right. And God, throughout the Bible, tells us not to be scared as we do so, to not cower and back down like unbelievers would. And that's why this whole world seems to be against Christians, because governments know that a true Christian believing in Jesus Christ will never back down. We will fight to the end. And that's what they don't want. Because somebody who doesn't believe, who is more concerned about getting high or drunk, he's just not going to care what happens. They'll go in the path path of least resistance every time in order to just get by. They'll go along to get along. And that's why Christians have been stomped on for years. There's a reason why the Ten Commandments and prayers and everything else that has to do with the Bible has been eradicated out of our governments and out of our money-grubbing, way-overpriced schools. 
The powers that be want no positive godly influence anywhere near the people that they are intending to enslave. God's freedom of which the Bible speaks about would just get in the way. They don't want the true God interfering with their rule while they attempt to be gods themselves. Now, are we going to just stand by and let them get away with it? Hey, if you put God first, then you know what to do. You know what's in your mind and heart that needs to be done, don't you? I've been on this wretched planet for 87 long, grueling years, sitting on my back porch rocking chair. I'm old, just like Biden. I forget just like Biden. I lose my train of thought just like Biden. But there's a couple of things I don't do. I don't grope women and girls like Biden. I don't tell weird stories about my leg hair and swimming pools like Biden. And I don't run for president when I no longer can remember what eight times seven is like Biden. He belongs in a rocking chair next to mine on the porch. I'm like an old hairy owl perched up on an even older oak tree. I can see everything from here. Hey, who's that? Young whippersnapper kid on my lawn again. Hey, you, get off my lawn. Why are you? Martha, Martha, get me my phone so I can call 911. Yeah, you on my lawn. I see you. By the way, this is Don't Bring Up Gun on WAEB 790 AM. I see you. Hey, last week I talked about, uh, let's see, poems from my Don't Bring Up God book. Yeah. Uh, Poems that you can read for free on the site, pavlinskypoems.com. All you got to do is press the little button that says, God Speaks to You. That's pavlinskypoems.com. The name is P-A-V-L-I-N-S-K-Y, Poems. Mm. Let's see here. And we'll get through this book definitely in the next couple weeks, no doubt, next couple months. We're already at page 19, where it says, No trial too difficult. Not only to believe in God, but to suffer for Him, is what Jesus has done, whom we emulate. Going through trials is necessary for each of us in order to ultimately walk through the heavenly gate. Don't expect total happiness throughout your entire life. When your faith is tested, this makes for endurance. Understanding this struggle and working to overcome is the way to find salvation. It's the greatest assurance. This is the real meaning and purpose of why you exist, to prove yourself as a child of God in your life. He will not let you be tested beyond your strength. Don't run away, but meet head on your personal strife. So forge ahead on this journey here on earth. No need to be relaxed and well-rested. Continue to battle and win in the name of God, always remembering, for in fire, gold is tested. Now this next one might make you shed a tear, and there's a lot of history to this one. Uh, Maybe I'll tell you the story, since I have a little bit of time. Uh, It's called, I Never Said Goodbye, and it's uh, actually a five-verse poem about somebody who died, and... You didn't have a chance to say goodbye, like the title says. And I used to sell these up in the Poconos at Marshall's Creek in the big flea market many years ago. And I used to print it out on uh, with the computer and put it on a big slab of slate, which was a beautiful thing. Very nice product. I sold them for 20 bucks, 25 sometimes. 
Sometimes lower to 15 if I had too many and wanted to get rid of them. But yeah, roughly 20 bucks and uh, Slate. It was pretty awesome. And I, this was one of my uh, best sellers, especially around 9-11 time. And this one guy bought it and then later, a couple months later, came back and these things, these slates, I would treat them with lacquer or something that was weatherproof. But, you know, you put anything out in the weather for any extended period of time, and it's going to be beaten up. It just is. You know, the weather, the rain, the snow, the sun, it takes a toll. So he bought this thing, he put it outside uh, on his niece's grave or in his backyard, something very nice. But he put it outside, and then he came back, like I said, a couple months later to me at the flea market. And he said that, hey, he told me the story. He said, I put this thing out, and the ink ran. And I said, oh, man, I'm sorry. I apologize for that. I'll just give you another one. No problem, no charge. And he goes, no, 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 I don't want another one. He says, the ink ran, but it ran in the shape of my niece's face. Yowza. And somebody involved with a death ain't going to lie or make up stories. So I believe him 100%. Uh, apparently, his niece, was, which was, who was strong and healthy, probably around 12 years old at the time, what happened is one day in the afternoon, she said she didn't feel that good. She had a little bit of a headache, and she actually took a nap. And she never does that. And what followed is that she got a brain aneurysm and died right there, right then. I mean, once again, how horrible is that situation? But it made me feel so good. I got a shiver up and down my spine when he told me the story about the ink running on the poem on the slate outside in, her, in the shape of her face. Uh, you know, make of it what you will, but... I'm thinking God, in in His wisdom and and Almighty power, had something to do with it, in 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 the attempt to comfort him and the family. It's a beautiful thing. So anyway, and there's a couple other stories attached to this. I never said goodbye poem, so I'm going to read it. I never said goodbye, and I wrote this one, not to go on and on about it, but I did scribble this one out in my delivery van many years ago over my brother. Jimmy, who died, and I had to pull over at least five times in my six-hour shift because the tears were welling up in my eyes as I wrote. So, like I said, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stories attached to this, to this poem, which says, I never said goodbye. I never got the chance to say I love you. I never got the chance to say I'll miss you. Nobody told me that you were going to die it hurts. I never said goodbye. Where are you now? Please talk to me. Show yourself and let me see. I know that can't happen no matter how much I try. All I wanted to do is say goodbye. I hope that you are happy wherever you are. I have you in my heart no matter how far. To the heavens above, I wish I could fly, only to give you a warm goodbye. I will remember you each day that I live. You were such a good person with so much to give. Such a privilege to have known you, no one can deny. I think it might be time to say goodbye. I will keep with me the good times that we shared. I want you to know just how much I really cared. 
Till we meet again on God We Must Rely, I love you, I miss you, and for now, goodbye. So that's a poem that's on my website. As I said, you go to pavlinskypoems.com, tap the button that says God Speaks to You, and it's in the first 70. I think there's a total of like 100 on that thing. And the picture is taken a long time ago, I th- either at the Jersey Shore or Delaware. I'm thinking it was in Delaware or Maryland. And it's a sunset, and the sun is pink against the blue black backdrop of clouds and it's like a quarter of the way setting setting as though the life of your loved one is now setting and uh, very peaceful very soothing uh, it's a beautiful thing uh, you know some of you will go to the site but you know what let's see we got a couple minutes I'm gonna read it again yeah just for kicks I never done this before I never said goodbye. I never got the chance to say I love you. I never got the chance to say I'll miss you. Nobody told me that you were going to die. It hurts. I never said goodbye. Where are you now? Please talk to me. Show yourself and let me see. I know that can't happen no matter how much I try. All I wanted to do is say goodbye. I hope that you are happy wherever you are. I have you in my heart no matter how far. To the heavens above, I wish I could fly. Only to give you a warm goodbye. I will remember you each day that I live. You were such a good person with so much to give. Such a privilege to have known you, no one can deny. I think it might be time to say goodbye. I will keep with me the good times that we shared. I want you to know just how much I really cared. Till we meet again, on God we must rely. I love you, I miss you, and for now, goodbye. And there's a lot of motivations in believing in God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and the Bible. And one of them is is that we're going to meet our loved ones again. In the name of Jesus, if you're a believer and you have come with a humble heart asking for forgiveness and following God's way and Jesus' way to the best of your ability and, and accepting him as your Savior, you're, 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 you have salvation. That's what they call salvation. You're saved. You will live again. Even though we don't get through this life in the best way possible sometimes— we will see our loved ones again. And the Bible specifically says to us, comfort yourself and others, telling people that you'll see them again. All right? And that alone should give you incentive to go God's way and at least investigate what that Bible talks about. Because as a parent, if you're going to come to grips with, seeing, with saying to yourself that you're never going to see your, your loved one again after an unexpected death or expected death, that's tough to handle. And if you're not grounded in God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit once again, you're going to have difficulty handling that and processing that in our human brains. But God, once again, 
solves our problems, all of them, answers all our questions. Why, why wouldn't you go his way? guy very very nice song you made me tear up a little bit come on i can't start blithering and blabbering and blither or whatever that word is crying in front of everybody can i although i've done that before but that yeah very nice song very tender so once again god provides all the solutions and death as we know is one of the most difficult things to get over now everybody knows by now that I went through it with my son, and the thing that makes me happy and allows me to smile again is that I know that I'll see him again. I don't understand some of the things that happened, and I would definitely like to go back and change a couple things, but it is what it is. And when we're in heaven and this world burns away and we're in the new heavens and the new earth, you think we're going to talk about what's, go what's behind us? There's going to be so much ahead of us. So much glory and power and magnificence that we have no idea about. So, the new heavens and the new, new earth. Don't you want to be there? I know I do. And on that note, all roads lead back to God. Tyler, we love you. And we'll for sure see you again. In no second ride, you're in the end of it all.